Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing really well, actually. Good, good. Not to brag, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's officially autumn now, um, and the weather has finally started behaving as such. So yeah, it's like absolutely definitely. pissing it down outside, and it's like 14 degrees, which is my optimum temperature. Uh, I can start wearing clothes that I like. <laughs> uh, I've been playing some D&D. That was good fun. Um, nice. I played some actual 40k in person. Played a 2,000 point game. Um, I'm just doing good. I'm just doing a lot of fun things and enjoying myself. And it, I'm not sweating every hour of the goddamn day anymore. So that's the main benefit, is that it's an actual... I actually like... I'm sitting at my desk and I actually kind of feel cold. Which is so nice. <laughs> Because nice. I'm normally nice. sweating through these recordings even with a fan on, so <laughs> it's nice to to be a comfortable temperature. And yeah, it'll be good not to have the fan in the background for editing purposes. Oh, well, I can put it on and just face it away from me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, like you know, Halloween's coming. There are already Christmas adverts on the TV for some goddamn reason. Um, but yes, it's the best, it's coming up to the best time of the year. Um, yeah, and I am able to do fun things. And I wasn't this time last year. So that's, you know, it's nice. I'm enjoying myself. Good. 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 I'm glad you are, definitely. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, pretty much the same as always, I think. Just, like, still stuck in my little bunker. Um, kind of feeling like, I don't know, I want I just, I just want it to be over so I can get back to life normally, properly now, definitely. I think I've, I've definitely just had enough now. Like, <laughs> Well, it took you about... I don't know, 15 months longer than everyone else in the country, so... Yeah, probably. Kudos. Oh, we're, we're a good almost 19 months into it now, yeah. which is like, right, yeah, just ready for it to be over. I've always taken this long for you to be officially sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone else was sick of it in, like, June 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, this is fine, I can tolerate this. Uh, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was in the same position, like, I mean, I can tolerate, like, I don't know, you know, like, the lockdowns where we could, like, still meet up in groups of six and stuff? Yeah, I can yeah. absolutely tolerate that f- forever because I can still like go play Warhammer I can still go meet my dad for a drink or whatever you know still yeah, go to yeah, family totally. meals and so like if, we, if that's just the rest of my life that'd be great I'd, I'd appreciate that Boris if you're listening please please do that <laughs> oh there were plenty plenty of things I would say if, if, if he was listening but, uh, oh, man, so, I mean, I mean... I mean, speak... I mean we, don't, we don't know for certain he's not but uh, <laughs> but I, I, I hope not I mean, I imagine. I, I imagine, based on my internet presence, he probably avoids me at all costs. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, I also managed to get fuel, so that was nice. I actually managed yeah. to get petrol in my car. <laughs> Took me forty-five minutes. Because uh, you know, England is full of greedy, selfish idiots who decided that when there was potentially a, a fuel shortage announced, to spend three hundred pounds on fuel in one go. But. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I've got a car full of gas. So what else could I want? I mean, at least you, you get <laughs> nowhere to, to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at least you get to crack out your good jumper collection, right? Yeah. As it gets colder. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see. That's. I mean, certainly if if you know, if the numbers do continue to to go down a bit and you know, people are forced back into offices and stuff, and maybe I will be, then yeah, yeah, the good jumpers will come out, but. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be strange reintegrate back into society eventually. Yeah, because I mean, at least most people at this point have like 
gone back to some semblance of normalcy and like gone out and done stuff, but you've been inside pretty much the whole time. Yep. So it's going to be a real yeah, culture I, shock for you. <laughs> yeah, last weekend, I got in a metro for the first time since March 2020, like last weekend. Like, Amazing. <laughs> so... <laughs> And how was that? Truly, truly bizarre. It was, it was fine because it was like seven o'clock in the morning, so there was only like five people on the train for my whole journey. But it was alright. Oh, okay, cool. You weren't just surrounded by massless morons then. No, no, thankfully, thankfully. Cool. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was a, that was my, <laughs> my update. I guess <laughs> used public transport for the first time in, <laughs> in nineteen months. I mean, small victories, right? Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. But let's let let's let's talk some magic. That's what we're here to do, right? It's, uh, a, it's a magic the offering podcast. It's what you're here to do, and what every week you force me to do. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So it's 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 we're in that time that doesn't doesn't exist. If you you take take the the words of many vocal magic the Gathering players online, we we are in in the time where there is no hype train. We're in between sets and previews for the next set haven't really started yet at all which is, is a little surprising to be honest I thought they would have been cracking out the uh, Crimson Vow previews already given that well, yeah. it's not too long until the set comes out I mean this time because normally I'm very annoyed about the, the constant spoilers having to care about things but I, I thought for this one they'd for sure like ride the hype train of Innistrad and like as yeah. soon as the set's been out like uh, well, I mean, as soon as it comes out, because you've had like a week of pre-release, people have got the cards, people have played with the cards, you then suddenly go into spoilers for Crimson Vow and make people still excited about Innistrad. It's like, it's uh, autumnal lore, and it's autumn outside, so you ride that whole train, but yeah, we just haven't got anything, which is nice, but weird. It's, yeah, considering the set, like, the set comes out in six weeks' time, you'd think that <laughs> yeah. it would be, yeah, all hands to the wheel. Like, at the very least, we would have had like FNM cards leaked or whatever. Yeah, no one's leaked anything yet. Yeah. Amazing. I think the only, the only thing that we know for, for certain at this point is um, Mark Rosewater put up an article where he sort of addressed some, some Q&As about Innistrad Midnight Hunt and one of the questions was about you know like favourite characters uh, from previous Innistrad sets that haven't showed up in this one. Uh, so the, he has confirmed that some of them will pop up in Crimson Vow instead of Shadows of, not Shadows of Innistrad, uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Cool. Uh, obviously, big big question from a lot of people was where's Thalia, but it has been confirmed that Thalia will be in the next set. Oh, thank so we know God. that at the very least. Thank yeah. God. I look forward to a four mana unplayable Thalia. Nice. <laughs> four mana green white Thalia. No, no, I want that. <laughs> I would like that. Perfect. Let's go. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, it, it definitely feels a bit. A bit strange, but I'm I'm certainly loving Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Um, yeah. I've played a reasonable amount of of sealed, so I haven't drafted it yet. But I played a reasonable amount of sealed on Magic Arena, and that's been super fun. Uh, all of the cards are just cool. Like like I said during previous season, even the cards that aren't good cards are super cool. Yeah. Uh, the limited format seems seems fantastic from what I've played. All of the cards seem really intuitive, like when you actually play with them on Arena as well. The whole daybound nightbound thing makes a lot of sense on Arena. I think it's yeah. a little bit more confusing in paper, is, but on yeah. Arena for certain. Yeah. I mean, lim- limited's I... good if you're not playing red, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 playable. It's playable if you get the you know you get the rest of the cards around it for sure. But it's probably the worst color, I think. I mean, yeah, there, there have been a lot of um, 
high level limited players who just seem to think that red is pretty much stone unplayable unless you get past like the nut red deck because no one else wants to play red. Yeah. Even then, it's probably not as good as the blue black decks, which are just like yeah, for sure regular limited cards, but also you get a decayed zombie token for some reason. Yeah. Which is uh, a cool implementation of the mechanic, but it just adds a lot of value to cards that were already already okay and limited. Yeah, totally. It, it's quite odd because it seems like quite a quite a grindy format in general, but yeah. you can also have these super you know, hyper aggressive decks because of the the decayed mechanic. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, for sure. And then constructed, I'm just loving the look of standard at the moment, which is <laughs> the first time I've said that since Throne of Aldrain was released. <laughs> you like a uh, one one blue flying bird tokens? Oh yeah, one one flying blue bird tokens are fantastic. I've been playing them for a long time, and uh, hopefully will continue to play them for a long time as well. We'll see. Yeah, I've been playing a blue black control deck, um, a suboptimal one because wild cards are a thing. So instead of like four puppet stitches i've been playing four delver secrets and winning and having a lot of fun it's uh <laughs> delver secrets is definitely still delver secrets like yeah 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 most of the times it just doesn't flip when you want it to but then you have those games where it does just flip on turn two and then that's it like <laughs> yeah and then you just win you, you yeah swing in and deal three damage in the air enough and yeah the opponent just can't come back for it Yes, uh, Del- when Delver of Secrets is good, Delver of Secrets is good. That is true. Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, I, I do wish you could get the uh, the old art on Arena, though. I think that would make it a, a lot better. Yeah. It's quite iconic, the old art. Yeah, for sure. The new one doesn't do it for me as much. Yeah, same. Same. It's you know it's fine as a bit of art, just it doesn't feel, doesn't feel as iconic as, as the original Delver of Secrets does. That, for sure, for sure. And then yeah, I think the rest of the format's looking pretty good as well. Um, that, that who'd have think who'd have thought that 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 cat chariot would be like the the bane of standard players everywhere. That card's incredibly good. <laughs> yeah, who knew? <laughs> Just as we are, the throne of Aldrain and all the, the adventure cards rotate out, and you know, what's the the boogeyman of standard now? It's a couple of cats in a car. It's great. Well, yeah, the best cards in in Estrad Midnight Hunt are Aaron's Epiphany and Essica's chariot. Who knew? Yeah, I mean Ren and Seven's pretty decent, pretty decent. Just, but that's just only trying to make a joke. Come on, it's only because because the the cat car makes copies of the of the token. Yeah, this is true. It makes big things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Standard became extremely stale in the next couple of weeks as it gets solved quicker yeah. and quicker and. Aaron's Epiphany continues to be a, a silly card and they shouldn't give us time walks in standard and they definitely shouldn't give us time walks that create threats um, yeah I, I agree with it no matter how much I love the cards like I, I certainly agree like we, we saw time warp cause problems in historic we've seen Aaron's Epiphany being very very good um, Nexus of Fate was a Magic the Gathering card that caused a yep. hideous amount of problems mm-hmm. so I don't know why they tried to do it again yeah, it's this it's this uh, this thing that what's you like to do where they see a card that's too good and they try and just turn the knobs Fix on it, it till it's good and it's like you don't have yeah. to do that. We don't. No one loves time walks that much <laughs> that you yeah. need to have one in standard. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, this one seems fine for now. But I, I it's only a matter of time until people get sick of it and start calling for a, a ban. I guess. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think the um, the the is it deck that's playing. Um, 
essentially it kind of works like a, like a storm deck, I guess, really. Um, is it turns deck? So it's playing Galvanic Iteration to copy the Elrond's Epiphany, and then you just take in turn after turn after turn. Is is pretty good. I don't think it's unbeatable. Um, I've certainly beat it myself um, using a blue black control deck, but yeah, I think Elrond's Epiphany is probably the the biggest that between that and Eskar's Chariot, the, the biggest sort of grown cards for the format currently. Mm-hmm. Which, to be honest, I I think that's fine. Like, if you have seven mana sorcery is the biggest grown card in the format, then yeah, I think the format's in a pretty good place. Certainly yeah. not the uh, the three mana six six or the three mana unbeatable planeswalker or you know any of the other problems that we saw over the past year. The four mana does everything. Yeah, yeah. the three mana does everything in Bonecrusher Giant. Like that card was ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah, the every card is a two for one deck. Yeah, it's just, yeah. There have been a lot of uh, unpleasant cards in standard for. I mean, and obviously the pandemic has exacerbated it, but for what has been pretty much two years, and what feels like ten. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, I I'm happy for standard players that they get to mainly stop moaning on my timeline about how crap standard is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a strange old time for standard. I think one of the things that really stood out to me, I guess quite a few people recently, I mean talking about the about the value of cards in Standard um, you know, we're, we're not strictly a finance podcast, but we, we definitely talk a reasonable amount about it, and I think yeah, yeah the value of the, the cards in, in Innistrad Midnight Hunt is it's quite astonishing just how, just how quickly the value is just falling out of, falling out of that set like, yeah, I mean time of recording, it is three days old officially uh, in terms of paper standard yep and it's yeah it's just not worth opening not worth opening at all uh yeah i mean well, you know magic finance is most of my job <laughs> yeah so i feel like i'm at least partially qualified to discuss it um to a serious degree and i think it's interesting people are talking specifically about industry Night hunt in terms of just no value uh, I can't think of a a standard set in recent memory that actually has consistent value. Like it's, so, so the general rule of thumb is it's it's never a good idea to buy seal product if you're trying to make money. Yeah, you buy seal product. You know, new players have to buy seal product because it bulks out their collection, and they are generally poorer at card evaluations. So they're excited about what we consider to be bulk rares, uncommons that are like twenty p, so you can just pick them if you need them. Or what stuff they just excited to have magic cards. Yeah, cracking packs is fun. Absolutely, I love to crack packs. Uh, Same. It's even <laughs> even if I do it, you know, ten the ten boxes every set release for my job. It's still fun to open a box for myself um, and see what you get. Uh, but you're getting stung more and more with standard sets and with supplementary sets. Really, um, it's a growing problem. But yeah, yeah, I find it interesting that people are focusing on this set. But there's no value in it. It's like, well, there was absolutely no value in. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. You were you yeah. were opening Old Norbone or Tiamat, and basically everything else was worthless. In terms yeah. of like getting a return on a booster pack, it was very very unlikely you were going to get that return. Um, I mean, most standard sets are like that. Zendikar Rising has nothing because uh, the thing to open was Omnath, and that got banned in standard, and is kind of a player in modern. And it is still a commander card, but it—I mean—it has no home really. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Totally crap. I, I think in, in terms of in terms of EV, it's the worst one in standard currently, which I think is fair enough given it's the oldest set in standard. But yeah, but I mean, for, for the longest time, there was no value in that set. What's yeah, what's a sure, good card sure. to open from that set? Like the reason people were busting boxes is because of the box stopper. Yeah. And I, I find it funny as well that we're opening boxes, opening the box stopper, and being like, "Oh no, it's a black leaf cliffs." And I like, "Oh, I really <laughs> want to open a black leaf cliffs now because they're actually worth money." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, standard sets have been extremely poor for value for a long time. And I mean, to be fair, standard sets are always kind of bad for value. Um, but you don't have it like bogged up by something like Shocklands or anything like that. So Caltime has very little in the way of actual value to open yeah and even then the chances of getting it are so few and far between that it's really not worth it at all i mean it's just opening packs isn't worth it if you want to try and make money or you want to try and oh i really want a renin 7 so i'm going to buy a bundle and try and open one just like use that bundle money to buy a renin 7 yeah for that amount of money you can even buy a nice version you yeah. can buy exactly the version you want and sure, you don't get the rest of the stuff. What the hell are you going to do with the rest of the stuff? List it on a trade group for like uh, selling this card for four pounds, selling this card for one pound fifty, like, or you just shove them at a shop and get bad returns on your <clears throat> on your purchase. I mean, the reason to buy a bundle is the cool dice. Yeah. Uh, someone someone opened one at the shop and I asked if I could buy their their dice off of them too. For, nice glow in the dark eyes. Yeah, I asked if they, I could buy their uh, their spin down off them for for two pounds, and they said yes. And it's very it's very <laughs> cool. It's glow in the dark. And it's a nice colour normally, but yeah, there's no reason to open packs. And I find that uh, I mean, I don't know, it's just, it's just been a thing. Like there were people that came into like th- three weeks after AFR dropped to buy AFR boxes and I was like, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <'Cause, laughs> thank you, but why? Because yeah, <laughs> either they sit there rotting and no one wants them, so we've lost our uh, the, the cost price on them. Or we open them and get absolutely no return from them, so we lost our cost price on them. So, it, yeah, it was a bad set, and that's been true for like most standard sets. It was true for um, Commander Legends, really. Um, we busted a few boxes while Holbreach was still money. Um, yeah, but even that, you know, it's got Vampiric Tutor, Mana Drain, Skull Rack, Rings of Brighthearth, I guess. Had Holbreacher. Um, even that wasn't worth really opening because it the, the chances of getting those cards was few and far between and those cards went down massively like the big hit is yeah. like Skull, it was the first ever reprint of Skullrack or well, outside of the Commander Arsenal which doesn't count as a reprint in my opinion <laughs> um, and it just tumbled in price and so the same thing with, with Modern Horizons like people are really excited to open Modern Horizons and they open their packs like oh I didn't really get anything yeah, I, th- I think Modern Horizons 2 was, it still holds up like surprisingly well um, no sorry that's what I meant Modern Horizons 2 yeah. I don't think it's worth opening I think it is currently. If you if you look at you, you look at, at, at the EV, I know you know we always take EV with a pinch of salt, but I, I think it is definitely. But a lot of that is just you know, down to the fact that there are fetch lands in the in the box, and you sure. should print fetch lands forever, forever and ever and ever. Yeah, I think and it's you know, as long as they're not on a four pound booster, they're always going to have a, a very very good you know, base level price. Sure. The problem with fetch lands, it's you know you had you had that experience yourself. Yeah, recently. Yeah, where I opened, so I paid one nine five for a box, and opened one of each fetch land, one of which was old border, an Urza saga, uh, and a solitude with the big money. Yeah. And I totaled everything that was actually worth, like that I would actually bother selling, because sure, if I added up all the bulk rares and the playable 
uncommons and stuff, I'd get to slightly above cost price, but I'm not going to do that because it's not worth my time to do that. Yeah, I'd rather just you know do some overtime, <laughs> like <laughs> get another job, doing a couple of extra hours, you know, um, than than do that. If you try to sell literally everything and found a buyer, and then factored in time spent going to a post office, time spent packaging that all up, it's not worth it. So the actual stuff that's worth selling came to one seven five. Yeah. That's not a return. <laughs> that's that's a loss on the box. Uh, so even something that looks as alluring and looks as um, as good of a return as Modern Horizons 2 is still not worth opening, in my opinion. Sure, if one of those fetch lands had been a Ragavan instead, I would have been just above the price I paid on it. So instead of a card that was worth £15, I had one that was worth 55 so I go from 175 to 210 So I've made a small, yeah. a small profit on my box. That's just not worth it. If I wanted Ragabans, just buy Ragabans. If I want Fetchlands, just buy Fetchlands. I open it because it was yeah, fun. that totally, totally. But that that's it. It depends. Like what what is what is your aim? If you're strictly opening boxes for profit, like unless you have a sizable amount of capital to pump into it, to you know to to then. make those make those those nickels and dimes to you know, scrape up those those EV margins, then it's just not worth it at all. Um, you know, if you like at the time you had, or do I want to? try and sell this box sealed or do I want to try and crack it and have some fun and make the money that, that I want and or need then yeah if, if it's a Modern Horizons 2 if your EV looks reasonable then then, then why not like you, you haven't really got a, a lot to lose out either way uh, but if, if you know if you are chasing cards if you're chasing singles if you are expecting you know oh I'm going to open this and then I'm going to sell all the singles and make some money make some big profit for myself that, that's just not going to happen yeah, I mean, it's it's like I, I see it all the time that people still fall into the trap. People who are like entrenched Magic players who play for a long time, who own expensive cards, who have a large collection. Still, we have people trading cards to us and then use that store credit to buy a box and then open the box and then trade in the contents of that box and then use that credit to buy more boost, booster packs. So we had a guy trade for a box, open the stuff, trade it in, get more packs, open those, trade them in, get more packs. So he started out with enough cards to trade into a photo box so yeah. 195 worth of store credit and ended up with an Arid Mesa and a Yavimaya so you've, you've traded in <laughs> £200 worth of magic cards and ended up with £23 yeah. worth of magic cards <laughs> you've made a poor investment and you've made a poor decision uh, and they're always bad like, yeah. wait, wait, I, I haven't kept up with uh, Solarian Community College's booster box game series but I imagine it doesn't go well and it's yeah, a lot of the, uh, well, the, the most recent one he decided to play the reverse booster box game which was open booster boxes of Innistrad Midnight Hunt until he hits a box that's over the <laughs> the retail price exactly it's just it's so hard to do <laughs> you, you went, through, went through like four boxes and gave up yeah this is the thing so the thing is as well if you open, so say, say you can you can buy set and draft boxes now on pre-release yep. weekend so you can open whichever box you want Oh, you can buy you can buy set boxes on pre-release weekend. No, you can also buy draft boxes now, if 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 they're available. Yeah, they they changed it this time for some goddamn reason. Yeah, uh, you're still not allowed to run a draft though. Yeah. So I can <laughs> I can sell you a draft box, but I can't sell a draft box among eight players. <laughs> yeah, um, which is very strange to me. But you can so you can open. I would I would um, advise on the side of set boxes probably. They they seem to be slightly more valuable, have a better EV. Yeah. Um, but you open that on pre-release weekend, and then you go to your whatever your trade group of choice is, 
and you list all the big money cards that you opened, which in this set is probably about four different cards, <laughs> all of them mythic, yeah. and you list them all alongside 50 other people who have just done exactly the same thing. And then you're also competing with retailers who have opened you know, dozens of boxes each. You're also competing with Card Market. Card Market also has retailers who have also opened dozens of boxes each. Uh, and there's just a race to the bottom on the price of the cards, even the good ones. Because you're like, oh crap, I bought this and I really need X money back to make it a reasonable return. Because when you're opening a box, you're not like, oh, I'm just throwing £100 away. You're like, okay, I spend £100 on this and I hope to get 50 back and maybe I have a few cool maybe I have a few cool cards that I want to own and I consider that worth it. You know, like I opened yeah, yeah. a showcase foil something or other that isn't worth any money, but I wanted it and it's cool and I enjoyed opening the box so I got some kind of return. But you don't want the whole £100 to be gone, right? And you're competing with everyone else. And as that's happening, the price is going down. So by the time it gets to release, the cards, some of the cards are like 50% of the price they were when you opened them. And if you haven't sold them immediately, yeah. you've lost money. Uh, most of the cards have gone down in some respects. Some of them go up as they become playable. And like standard is now a factor because it wasn't a factor for so long, which I guess which I guess has something to do with the price of cards in uh, Zendikar Rising because it was you know, smack dang in the middle yeah. of the pandemic. So standard just wasn't a consideration. No one was playing standard. And if people were playing standard... They were doing it unsafely, so. Um... Yeah, definitely. I think that's the the other thing to consider, especially during you know the current times, is that standard events are very, very few and far between. So, like, really, anything that's driving the prices on singles is is going to be commander, and it's going to be, you know, potential speculation from cards being played on arena. But yep. you, you haven't got those standard events firing. There's there's no point to buying a lot of these these newer cards. Yeah, exactly. So, like, Commander is basically the only thing you can consider. And, like I said, we, with Midnight Hunt, like, you know, FNMs are happening now. There are some small tournaments happening. There are some big tournaments happening for some fucking reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a reason to own a standard deck now for most people in paper. So, that does inf in, in, uh, impact on the price a lot. But most of it is Commander. It's, it's Commander prices, or it's a lot of it is still a type of price memory. Where like which has been happening in Santa for a long time, where all planeswalkers start out retailing at at least fifteen pounds, right? Yeah. And then by the time they're like in the middle of standard and people have stopped opening those booster packs, they're roughly all about four pounds, unless they're actually playable. Um and there's some stuff like that. Oh, this looks like a card that used to be good, so it must be worth money, and then it just isn't because it's not good enough. Yeah. People spec on cards being good in standard and they're not. These are things that happen all the time. Um But yeah, like it's it has never been I, it's it's and it seems difficult to explain to people why opening boost packs isn't a good idea. Um, and I understand the fun element of it, but, but I mean playing magic is more fun than opening boxes. <laughs> so buy the cards you need to play magic, and then you get to play magic, and then you have spent yeah. the money, and you don't have to worry about recouping that money because you've spent the money. Uh, uh, you know, very much why I think the best thing to do is is draft. If like, if you are going to open, if you do want to open a box of magic cards, yep. Like, find seven other people that also want to open up a box of magic cards and draft. It's the best way to. I mean, yeah, because it meant that we we had for a long time like our, our sort of chronic drafters who turn up every week for draft. Um, they bulk out their standard collection. They could pick up a few cool cards for commander, but it just means that when that when that draft format is over, when the next set comes out, when the price on those cards is still kind of high. They just have a bunch of cards. And sure, yeah. they haven't got the return, so they've spent... I mean, our draft is £12 for a, for a draft. 
um, including prizes. So they've spent £12 for, I don't know, probably six weeks at this point, <laughs> for a draft format. Um, and they've ended up with £50 worth of cards, say, if they've been yeah. like taking the money cards or whatever. But then they just randomly have some, some money, and they, they were okay with spending £12 on draft because they wanted to draft. And they had no interest in, in the return from that. The return was playing fun games. Um, so that's the best way to open product. And it actually gives it a purpose. There's a reason things are now labeled draft boosters because they're they're for a, a format. They're for a, they're for yeah, hundred percent. Um, again, I understand that's been you know, incredibly difficult to do that during current times. But that's that's the way that's always made made sense to me. Like, is if you're gonna open a box and you you know you you care at all about the value inside of it, then the, the best way to do it to sort of mitigate any losses really is is do it that way, split it amongst eight people. For sure, yeah. The chances of you, you know, spending twelve pounds and making back twelve pounds on the draft is probably, probably a lot better than <laughs> spending way or whatever ninety five pounds on a box, whatever it is, yeah, and then yeah. expecting to make that ninety five pounds back. And you know, I mean, chances are you don't make that twelve pounds back, but twelve pounds is, is a is a lot a lot lower buying cost, and it's a lot less to lose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, people like. I don't know, there is this element of uh, like cracking boxes, cracking bundles, like opening just packs uh, sort of at random, and there is that sort of, yes, I opened this thing that I wanted, but like at this point, the thing that you wanted would have cost you pence often to buy, yeah. and certainly pounds in the single digit. Um, so I mean, we can go through um, the price list on, on Innistrad Midnight Hunt, if you want, just to have a yeah. have a look at how it's, how it's looking like... Uh, I mean, technically three days after release, but effectively ten days post the paper cards being in people's hands. So the most expensive card in the set, and these, these are dollar prices, which are different from... Uh, I can't hammer this, home, this point home enough because uh, I'm sick of people pricing things on dollars. Uh, but the American market, mostly dictated on Commander. European market, mostly dictated on competitive, constructed cards. So Snapcast is more expensive here. Cyclonic Rifts are more expensive in the States, generally. That is kind of a rule. But this, yeah. these, the, the easy thing to do is just go to MTG Goldfish and go for filter the set by price, basically. So Yeah, definitely. If, if you're in America, use something like MTG Stocks to, to look at the prices of cards. If you're in Europe, look at card market. Like, yes, that, that is the best way yeah, to do things. That's um, 100% just do that. Because your, your card that you think is worth $50 is actually worth €20. Euros. And like that's a big yeah. discrepancy. Um, so yeah, so the prices here are in dollars because I've got on MTG Goldfish because it's just the easiest and I'm lazy. But generally, this will match roughly where the prices are um, in Europe currently for this standard set. So we have uh, there are four cards above ten dollars, <laughs> which is absurd, um, and that's not a good investment, right? So like, so you say it's yeah, so, like I, I'm looking at MTG stocks and it's only got three above ten dollars as well. I've, like, I've got <laughs> I've got Teferi still above ten on this yeah. list. Um, but so the price of a pack what was this this so ten dollars is what seven pounds seven pound fifty eight pounds so it's eight pounds yeah um getting closer to closer to equal <laughs> as the days go by yeah yeah <laughs> um so eight pounds is the price of roughly the price of two booster packs depending on where you're buying two and a bit yeah uh so <laughs> from opening a booster pack the chance of getting doubling your money is it's so small because there are only four cards. So you've got Teferi, who slows the sunset, which by this list is eleven dollars. 
I imagine this is pulling from Card Kingdom. Uh, yeah, probably. My list is eight eight dollars seventy three. Sure. Uh, Arl in the Pax Hope sixteen dollars. Uh, the Meat Hook Massacre twenty two dollars and Ren and Seven thirty two. Um, and then the the fifth most expensive card in the set by this list is Moonvale Regent, which is eight dollars. Yeah. And that's that's a pack and a half. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And so, I mean. Uh, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There are 13 cards by this list uh, that are over $5, which is roughly the price of a, a pack of magic cards. So, 13 cards. Yeah. That's it. That's the big money you're opening uh, in your rare slot. Right? Uh, most of those are and mythics. And most of those are mythics. Most yeah. of them are mythics. And it it's so wild to me that people are insistent on opening packs to try and make money when this when this is the case where like cards yeah. just cards just aren't worth money anymore because standard even before the pandemic was a dying format it's a format that no one particularly cared to play in paper people just wanted to play it on arena because you can play you know five times as many games in the same period of time as you can in paper um we we saw that i mean long before long before covid um it was just it was very difficult to fire a standard event yeah and even if we did fire it it was like 8 to 12 people and that's not huge whereas modern events would be consistently 20 or more people um and our commander commander players were always there uh so standard isn't a format people are interested in so basically if these cards don't have the chops for commander they're not worth a lot of money and that's that's the driving force here is commander uh, yeah, it has been for a, for a long time. So I mean, Red and Seven is so. First of all, it's a it's a planeswalker. Second of all, it's a four loyal uh, a four ability planeswalker. Third, it's a returning character who we get to see in the new light. Fourth, it has really cool art. <laughs> Fifth, it's actually a playable standard card if that matters. Sixth, yeah. um, it's very good in commander. It's just a generic. It does the generic things that are powerful in commander and can also be built towards specific strategies that you want to do. Most and it's green exactly, <laughs> and it's green. <laughs> Most green decks will probably just want to play. Like if you put this in in, in any green commander deck, it's going to be fine, at least yeah. fine. Sometimes it's going to be incredible because it plays into like a graveyard strategy or a land strategy. Um, <clears throat> so that's driving the price there. The Meat Hook Massacre is um, going to be a commander staple. My favorite grind core band. <laughs> I mean, most most black magic cards sound like a, a some kind of metal band. Metal band, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, the Mirror Masker is is a commander staple, I believe, because um, I was informed that it's just you can just cast it for two mana and it's just basically a blood artist effect. Yeah. Because I was an idiot and didn't realize that. But it's also a very reasonable wrath. Like a tiny massacre worm. <laughs> exactly. It's also a reasonable wrath. Um, so that's why it's going to be a commander staple. And commander is very much driving the price on this. It's also seeing some play in standard, sure. Uh, Arlen the Pax Hope. It's Arlen, it's werewolves. Werewolves. Yeah. We have a werewolf commander de- commander in this set, so werewolves are a big thing. So people want to build their werewolf commander deck. Arlen makes sense in a werewolf commander deck. That's almost exclusively the reason. Uh, it's, it's it's fine in standard. Some people are trying it in modern somewhere. It's just like a four mana d- does some value planeswalker. And Teferi is... Teferi. Teferi. Teferi's Teferi. Yep. It does things that previously powerful ter- Teferis have done. It looks like yep. it does powerful things. Um, and it's a Teferi. <laughs> yeah, it, it has an infinite combo with Lithoform Engine. Um, so, sure. there we go. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's a planeswalker but planeswalkers are always worth money at the start of um, when sets come out yeah. so that's what the top four is <laughs> a wrath that's innovative that's very very powerful and three planeswalkers right um, and then the rest of this stuff is like the reason these things aren't worth as much money or are probably going to go down in the coming weeks and months is because they're not they don't have the chops for most commander decks yeah 100% like I think Moonfield Regent is only the price it is or only holding the price it is because of standard because the dragons deck the Grixis dragons and the Izzet dragons decks are, are very very good um you you see you just have to look at Goldspan Dragon just see what's happened to the price of Goldspan Dragon and see that Moonville region is kind of pinned to that a bit I think as as time goes on we're definitely going to see Moonville region sort of drop down as as bigger and better and, and more powerful cards get printed that in that slot in that deck yeah I think I mean I think the floor on this is like five dollars and yeah, I think probably. It's, not to get it's the mythic red dragon exactly not to get all brainstorm brewery about it. But I think five dollars or four euros or whatever—that's an excellent pickup. And if you have yeah. the capital to be specking on cards, also I don't think that's a great way to make money. <laughs> um, <laughs> if that's something you like to do, or if you're looking for something that will probably double in value by the time you want to sell it, and you just chuck it at a GP vendor, Moonville Region is a reasonable thing to buy because. Yeah, people love dragons. People love building their five-color dragon commander decks, and this genuinely seems like a good card in a five-color dragon commander deck yeah. because it cares about colors exactly. and it's a dragon. Exactly. Um, it is. Yeah, it's probably going to see some amount of standard play until it rotates. And yeah. the main thing, it's a big red mythic dragon, and the big red mythic yeah. dragons from basically every time they've been printed have been worth money at some point. Yeah, um, I don't think it goes below, like I say, like five dollars, four euros, something like that. Yeah, probably not. I can't see it ever dropping below the the pack of a price the price of a pack. Yeah, but it's certainly not going to hold where it is. Yeah, and then we just keep going going down from there. Like these cards that are like standard plants that uh, I don't know. Standard cards aren't worth anything. Like yeah. you have like the one card that's worth loads of money in standard, and then you have the lands that are normally worth a, a considerable chunk of a deck, and then that's it. So like your Renin Seven is your expensive. But we see like you know. Um, uh, Nexus of Fate. That's the one. Nexus of Fate was worth loads of money, and the rest of the cards in the deck weren't worth that much. Okay, worth loads of money. The rest of the cards in that deck weren't worth that much. Uro worth loads of money. The rest of the cards in that deck weren't worth that much, comparatively. So you yeah. have like your big card, and the rest of them are just worth basically nothing because they're interchangeable. You're building around one card. So you have the commanders that are worth some money. So you got Leah, the the mono blue spells can't be counted thing, which is going to crash out. Will be a bulk mythic, um, given enough time. Um, Tovalar <laughs> Dire Overlord is a big hype right now because loads of people spent loads of money on Immerwolves so they want to justify yeah. that by making Tovalor expensive um, but the Werewolf Commander will go down also the Adversary Cycle unless one of them really pops off in Standard will be worth basically nothing Unnatural Growth is a bulk rare I have absolutely no idea why it's worth $6 um, The Fan Crystal Horde is... It's worth six dollars. There's four green pips on it, and yeah. you know, commander players, new commander players, love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a Timmy card. It's a Timmy card through and through. And yeah. that, you can't understand how much that has uh, an influence on, on a card's price. Um, like Vanquish the Horde, I think is uh, like one of the best wraths they printed for Commander. Um, yeah, it's blasphemous act, but a wrath of God, and it's extremely good. And I'm genuinely surprised that it is sub five dollars apparently. Um, so I mean pick those up if you want you'll want to play it in every white commander deck you ever build in your entire life uh, the most expensive land is the red green one 
which again I imagine is werewolf related. Werewolves, yeah. Um, just four dollars, and like those, these will sit around this price for basically as long as they exist. Both, both, most of them are around the same price. They're between three and four dollars. It's very, yeah. very reasonable. I'm very surprised that Augur of Autumn is so cheap. I might go and buy a shitload of Augur of Autumns. <laughs> Saying it's reading here at four dollars. And it's yeah, we've got a Danis is four dollars sixty four here, and yeah. it, it's it's you know we speculated that it might be Eternal Format playable. I'm gonna play it. <laughs> that does not yeah. mean it's Eternal Format playable. It's it's, it's Corsair Crucifix, but a human. It's got to be good. It's right? a Corsair Crucifix variant. Corsair Crucifix is surprisingly expensive. Every time people want to buy a Corsair Crucifix, they assume it's going to be two pounds, and it's like five. Um, yeah. And this is a Corsair Crucifix variant that does basically exactly the same thing, except the information isn't revealed, and it has a massive upside in that eventually you can cast creatures, which is a very desirable effect. Look at Vizier of the Menagerie, which has slowly crept up since it was printed in Amaket. Yeah. It's these cards that, like, they're not. If, if people aren't explicitly told by people like the Command Zone by watching episodes of Game Nights that a card is very good in Commander, they won't buy it. People will buy the big flashy stuff, like Ren and Seven. They will buy. And the Meat Hook Massacre, they will buy stuff like Arlen and uh, Trovalar because it fits into a specific strategy that people have wanted for a while in Werewolves, and they won't pick up stuff like All of Autumn. And then in two months' time, once Josh Lee Kwai has cast seven creatures from the top of his deck with All of Autumn, it will be a $20 card. Yeah. It's, the, it's that kind of card, and I'm surprised it's this cheap. I'm going to buy some. Um, <laughs> but everything's just worth basically nothing. So you open a card, you're like, oh, Champion of the Perish, that's cool, because it's a throwback to an old card, and it, it's it's a good zombie card for, for maybe Standard, and probably Pioneer, and it's cool, and it's like $3. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, these it's, cards that it's, look... it's bizarre. I think it's it's almost like... It's almost like paradoxical in a way. Like I feel like a lot of the reason why these cards are so cheap is because there is just you know, why none of these cards are worth money is because there is so much money in the ecosystem like magic has, has, has such a massive massive player base these days it grows every year and every you know every time the player base grows we're seeing more people bring more money in and there's more products with more cards being released per set because of that as well and it's just yeah so many people throw so much money into this ecosystem that what comes out of the other end is just just worthless, absolutely worthless. Yeah, and it's it's a it's just what it's what happens when you open packs. You open a pack, you go, oh, I opened a mythic, cool. That must be worth at least the price of admission, and it's a Sunstreak Phoenix, and it's worth a buck. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's never good to open packs. Is basically my point. But this, um, I mean, Midnight Hunt is just following the trajectory of basically every standard set I've seen since I've been properly. Uh, entrenched in in the finance of seal product yeah. um, this set isn't worth the price of admission obviously and no standard set will be the only way that a, a standard set is worth money is because you have an Uro or an Oko or an Omnath to a certain extent you have a big card yeah, that's like some sort of like lottery card system like we've seen with, with expeditions in the past which is why I like that I I, yeah. I really like that model because standard prices are so suppressed and so not worth any money and every now and again you get something like a Smothering Tithe, which is absurdly expensive um, but you need that sort of lottery ticket because there is no reason, why would I open this even if I open a an extended art or a borderless, a borderless foil Renin 7 it's still 55 euros 
is yeah. what I looked at because I was looking to, to pick one up. If you open an extended art foil massacre, it's still thirty-five euros. That's the most expensive card in a set. The the premium version, the special, big money version, is not worth that much. Yeah. And this thing with collector boosters, all foils are worth nothing. All foils. Yeah, because it's about six <clears throat> different ways to get the card now. Exactly. All foil rares and mythics are worth are the same, if not less, than non-foils, because they're borderless and extended art and showcase arts exist. Um, and they're opened so much that the cards are just worth nothing. And you're never going to get a return on these cards. And I find that very sad. So I think adding something like a masterpiece... Like, I was kind of annoyed that they put the Zendikar Expedition to box up as a not in packs. Yeah, yeah. Because it's definitely. like it's why it's why Time Remastered is is so it is people are still excited about that set because even if you open like an old board of thought seeds, it's not really worth that much. It's worth about as much as as you expect a mythic to be, right? But if you open yeah. a foil on board of thought seeds, you foil ponder. Yeah, <laughs> like a foil thought like old board of thought seeds like eight hundred euros. That's yeah. that's insane. Like when you're you're trying to open like a borderless foil Renin Seven, you're not even covering the price of the box. Whereas you you can yeah. you can open a thing from something like Time Spiral Remastered or like if you open like a Soul Ring from Kaladesh, then you're paying for like eight boxes. Yeah. Um, and that that system's great because it keeps people ravenous for opening boxes and keeps people wanting to open boosters. And then when they don't get it, they're like, oh yeah, because it's a lottery ticket. It's not like a, I expect some money back from my booster pack. It's like I open this or nothing, and that's fun. So yeah, the, the prices on on standard cards are just nothing, and they're informed yeah. entirely by Commander. And you have to open basically one or two cards in the set to actually make money. And even then, it's not. Most of the rares in the set are like $3. If you open a rare, you haven't. You've lost money on the boost pack. You've, you've lost money on it, yeah. So if you're going to buy a boost no, pack absolutely. and you really wanted to open a deserted beach for your blue white commander deck, just buy the deserted beach. Buy the borderless yeah. foil for like £6. It's, it, it doesn't make sense to open boosters for anything anymore. Yeah, definitely. I would say the only way to do it is is if you have if you have the money to to open them, you know, to open the volume. It's it, it's a numbers game. It's a hundred percent a numbers game. And if you have the money to put in to open enough, then yeah, sure. You 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 have a way to get rid of those cards as well. Then yeah, you can nickel and dime it and make make some money. But if you're just a person, like you, you don't have that, like. <laughs> If, if if you're somebody who needs advice on how to make money, or you know is looking for advice on how to make money on magic cards, you you can't do that. Like you haven't got the network. It's not just the money as well. It's it's the network. Like you need, like yeah, anybody can can have the money to drop on a couple of cases of the new set. But if you haven't got a way to guarantee you're going to sell those cards as well, then you may as well just just throw that money in the bin. Like, yeah, you need you need contacts. You need links. You need. Or you need a, literally an online store. You need a website yeah. that, as soon as that set is available for for purchase, those cards are there, preferably beforehand. Most yeah. stores will make money off pre-orders, where they can just dictate a random price that that card will never reach. Um, or you need like very good feedback on card market, so you're one of the sellers. Um, or you need to have enough capital that your margins can be paper thin, and it doesn't matter. So yeah. you, you, it is just the volume of cards that you sell. So, in which case, like if you're doing it purely for the capital, then <laughs> do it with something else. Like <laughs> spend that money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It, like 
Yeah, even if you, even if it's within the magic space, I think it like it absolutely astounds me that you see people buy like like a case of collector boosters on launch, thinking that they're gonna make money from it. Where like if they want to make money from magic, they could take that exact like, same amount of money and put it in an old like you know incredibly old booster box or some dual lands. Like yep. there are certainly certainly ways to make money from magic cards, but it's definitely not by opening standard set. The thing the thing to understand with when you're doing that as well is you need to understand the market and who is who is your buyer? Who's yeah. your audience for your yeah. random crap? If you buy a jewel land, say you buy a scrub land for two hundred pounds, you know that six months down the line where it's appreciated two hundred and twenty pounds you don't want it anymore. You have a buyer. You don't need contacts. Yeah. You don't need to have this network of people. You don't need to have a store with with loads of traffic going to it. You don't need um Yeah, in like a pool of a hundred people Finding one buyer for a scrubland is going to be a hell of a lot easier than buying than finding a hundred buyers for a hundred Ren and Sevens. Exactly, you you put your money where it's say like you open a box and you pull so you pay a hundred pounds for a box and somehow you open a hundred and twenty pounds worth of value. You're yep. only going to sell eighty pounds of that value, and you're going to have to work really hard to do it, and you're going to have to compete with a thousand other people who are doing exactly the same thing as you who are pricing them very very similar to you it's just not worth it i find i yeah. find it astounding when i see people posting all their polls on on facebook trading groups and i'm just like who's buying this <laughs> i very specific yeah, but then when i post I oh i'd like to buy a showcase foil cigar for 10 pounds please no one bites <laughs> How? <laughs> How is no everyone's trying to sell everything that they've opened, even the like two pound bulk rares essentially, and no one can sell me a, a, a foil card. Yeah, truly, truly bizarre. The, also, the most important thing is for standard sets, do not buy them after pre-release. Do not buy them on release yeah. week. Do not buy them any time after that because they will be worth absolutely nothing. I would also say the same of most supplementary sets, unless you plan to sit on it. If you're what you want to buy it, just to open it. Even Modern Horizons Two is not worth worth doing at this point um, because to make money you have to open a Ragavan to break even that's, uh, to, I don't, you, I don't have, think to, that's you have to get a spike because the, the the general distribution isn't good enough because so like you get a few fetch lands you get maybe an Urza Saga maybe a Solitude there's, yeah Cabal Coffers there's, I think that there's yeah, but Cabal, I, I think it's very very close but I think it is 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 it a reasonable a reasonable point? I think still. Yeah, you need that big money card that spikes the rest of it. So like, if you're opening a box of a box of yeah. midnight hunt, you need about a ren and six to to skew the skew the curve basically. Yeah, literally that or not. I mean, to I guess touch quickly back on that um, Telerian Community College just booster box game. In one of them, you opened a set foil ren and seven and did not reach the the, the price of a booster box. Exactly. Also, <laughs> that's partly because everyone wants the borderless foil. Because yeah. that is the quote unquote bling version, um, and it, it, it it's 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 not worth it. Stop it, please. Standard cards aren't worth anything. We make all of our money on standard cards in the f- the first two days after pre-release. Um, well, after after release, because that's when we can actually sell singles. That's when we make our money. People yeah. are like, oh yeah, I need four of these, four of these, and four of these. And I need this from my commander deck. I need this from my commander deck. And then we don't see that customer again until the next release, and that's fine. And then it just trickles through, and you're not like, you don't expect Midnight Hunt to be making you money anymore. It's just a thing. People, oh, I'll buy this one pound card. I'll buy this twenty p uncommon. I'll buy this bulk rare, 
just to flesh out an order of commander cards they were already buying. They don't care that it's the newest set. They're just like, yeah, I saw this uh, this card being added to the EDH rec page for this commander I'm building, so I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah, you don't you don't get that. That that's the only way it makes money. Um, and you know, I can rant and rave for a full hour about this, and people will still tell me I'm wrong. People still disagree with me. People still go and do it. I <laughs> find it frustrating. Um, I mean, if, if you find opening opening sealed product really fun, go for it. That's fine, but know that you're losing money. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And it's I I think my <laughs> I don't know. I think like the the thing I'm I'm just very much fixated on now is like that that thing of like you know Magic has more players than ever. We're such a massive massive economy. And we're seeing what that economy is doing to the prices of standard cards. So there must be so much money sloshing around in there. What if what if people just diverted that money to old cards? What if that money just went to revised jewels instead? Like, where would where would the ceiling be for revised jewels? Like, it would be ridiculous. There, I feel like there's just there's so so much money to be made still from like. Revised cards. Yeah, I mean, but the the, the it's wild. It's quite scary thinking about the it. The issue there is that um, people aren't drawn to it. So if yeah. I spend a hundred pounds on a boost box, I get a bunch of flashy cards that aren't worth anything, but they look fun, <laughs> yeah. and I have a load of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I buy. I can't. I can't buy a jewel land for a hundred pounds. But say, what's the cheapest jewel land? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know these days. Well, actually. the tiger was only... Uh, plateau. Oh, plateau. Plateau. It's 100% plateau, sure. actually. I mean, yeah. the tiger was worth money because lands, but lands is bad. Um, yeah, well, tiger was the, was the cheapest for the longest. Yeah. Was, so, uh, plateau. Sure. Buying those at 30 quid a pop. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't remind <laughs> me. So, yeah, you buy a plateau and then you have a plateau. And then... Uh, so, okay, so you're buying the cheapest playable. So, Savannah. Right? Or Tago, whatever. And you're like, oh, no, and now I need to buy other ones. And if you want to play them, you have to buy more. You can't just have a yeah. jewel land for a, for a legacy deck, for example. Or maybe you buy one for a commander deck. And you have that then. It's not flashy. It is flashy because it's worth a shitload of money yeah. for what it is. Um, but it doesn't look cool. Whereas if you have, like, you know, uh, I got a foil Arlen and I got a showcase Puppet Stitcher. I don't know if that has a showcase version. And I got a foil Toval Art. Like, that looks cool. I got loads of things. And oh, look at all the opportunities I have to build commander decks. And. Oh, I spend eighty quid and I have three brand new commander decks that I've I've built based on the cards that I opened from this boost box. That sounds fun, yeah. but you just pissed away all of your money, <laughs> like you yeah. pissed away your hobby budget for that month, right? Yeah, totally. I think it just the the thing that amazes me is just like I feel just just how fragile the whole system feels when you sort of step back and look at it all. It's yeah, well, it's the thing. Like people people spend far more than legacy decks cost over a six month yeah. period on sealed products and on random bullshit cards for their commander decks. Yeah, on standard sealed product, yeah. <laughs> and then you go, oh, well you should start playing Legacy because it's a really fun format and we have this community building and you can play basically wherever you want. Everything is kind of playable. Some things are objectively better than others, but if you really like a strategy, you can play it. Um, and they're like, no, it's too much money. Like, you just spent that on collector boosters or standard product or commander decks, like the sealed commander decks or... Or on like specking on triomes that have just rotated out. Um, if you're buying triomes for ten pounds, you're not making money on those triomes. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you just didn't spend all that money, you could have this thing, and you could get loads of enjoyment out of this thing. And then when you decide 
that legacy's not for you or magic's not for you or you have a bill to pay or like something happens that you need money for you can just move it you can just buy a <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more realistically, you can buy a Warhammer army, um, yeah. but you know, you can you can move that money very quickly, very easily. You can get most of the time all of the money you put into that that purchase back, if not more. And people just don't want to do it because it's not flashy, it's not fun, it's not exciting. And I understand that, but it's fucking infuriating trying to t- t- discuss things with those people. Yeah, oh, but jewel lands are expensive. Yeah, but you just spent the price of two jewel lands on crap. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? It's crazy. It's like people paying yeah. more for like a, a keyboard that lights up, despite the fact that it's worse than a keyboard of a comparable price that doesn't light up. People <laughs> buy flashy things, big, literally flashy things. Like me, I bought an RBG keyboard for no reason. I thought it looked cool. And is it worse than a keyboard I could have bought that doesn't light up for the same money? Absolutely. But it was only it was a fraction of the price of the money people spend on on seal product for standard. Sure, sure. It's the same with like <laughs> like Modern Horizons collector boosters weren't a good idea either. Because like sure you're spiking that like one old border foil scolding turn, yeah. still not that much money. And it's yeah. thing with Pokemon like obviously the direct comparison for finance in terms of collectibles is, is Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon know what they're doing. They put like a five hundred pound card in random booster packs. And they don't know that it's £500, but they make it this super, no one ever gets it. It's like rarer than a masterpiece. So that drives price, that drives demand, that drives people to literally trample over each other during a pandemic to buy packs. <laughs> leads them to ban from, from Target and Walmart. Yeah, exactly. It, it, leads to, it leads to those those things, because they just put one big thing in. Like You're not getting that from Magic. You're, the best you're getting is a £55 Renin 7. That's it. Yeah. Unless you're spending all your money yeah. on. And... That's how it's going to go. Um, but if you have anything to take away from this, buy uh, Vanquish the Hordes and Moonvale Regents and Augur of I, I think, <laughs> I think buy Enduring Angel because it's less than $2 and it's a mythic and it's an angel that like stops you from losing the game and then gets huge, which seems like a cool thing for Commander and people love Angel Tribal Decks and Commander. What's the price of Angel of Grace from Ravnica Allegiance? There's no idea. For you, and I will find the answer. Card market will load. Angel of Grace. Ravnica Allegiance. It is 85 cents. Uh, the You can buy one in uh, an English one in near mint condition in the UK for 23 euro cents. You can buy oh. a... Uh, Lightly played one. You can buy a good one for thirty-seven cents. Still in the UK, you can buy one for forty-nine cents. Still in the UK for near mint, forty-nine cents again. That one doesn't transform and double your life total, though. No, but it does. A, and give you and give you and give you hex proof. And... Yeah, but it's a big flashy angel that saves you when you yeah. need to, and it's not even worth like two euros. Wow. Um, I don't. Th- I I generally dislike picking mythics most of the time if we're talking in terms of specs, in terms of trying to make money off them. I definitely don't like picking things that are... <laughs> it's funny saying the word expensive. Expensive to pick up that are not going to be good in Commander. Sure. Enduring Angel won't be good in Commander, but casuals will want to buy it. But that makes it, that yeah. makes it a consistent 50p card forever. It might go up, 
but it makes a consistent 50p card forever it doesn't make it a 10 12 pound card because people need them yeah oh yeah for certain um definitely not i cannot imagine that would ever be a 10 or 12 pound yeah. but it's certainly more than two dollars right? yeah it was like it was like picking up razakaths during arab devastation for, for two yeah. quid was a great idea <laughs> um and stuff like that like pick up the lands if you can get them if you if you can pick up the lands for like two quid absolutely yeah um i don't think they're good though but yeah they're fine for commander it's the thing. Yeah, I guess so. Are you picking those kinds of things? I mean, the, the Celestis maybe. Um, the thing is, most of these cards aren't that good in Commander. <laughs> I'd be surprised if I saw most of these cards. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. Piffing Needle at 80 cents apparently, thanks to MTG, MTG Goldfish. Probably fine. Um, f- for Christ's sake, don't buy the lands. The the basics. Don't do that. That's a silly yeah. decision. Um, I don't know. I don't think there are any specs currently. I think you need to wait for the the, the prices to go down on some stuff uh, first but um, yeah uh, th- there are some cards that I think are fine to buy all revolt I'm surprised it's so cheap it's not going to be a big money it's not going to like suddenly goes 20 quid but yeah will... yeah definitely that's what I mean by that angel as well like like no like it's not going to be a fiver but yeah. you know it might be £2 one I day just, I find it weird that like everyone was crazy about Realm Walker which was a thing you can cast creatures from the top of your library, but it had a yeah. very specific caveat. Whereas this has like a very, very easy to meet caveat to cast creatures from the top of your library and does other things, and no one's interested. <laughs> uh, like I said, as soon as this makes an appearance on game nights, it's worth loads of money. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, this set is worth fuck all, basically, <laughs> as is every standard set. And yeah. as every standard set will be going forward until there is a card that is really, really good, and then they ban it. Which has been the what's happened. I mean, if you if you yeah. already owned Aaron's Epiphanies, I guess you feel pretty good right now. It's also it's, it's specking on older cards, right? Like older cards in standard that are now worth money that you had no way of knowing would be worth money. I mean, Aaron's Epiphany, yeah, I can sure. I can buy one for ten euros. It's not even expensive. Goldspan Dragon. If you just picked up Goldspan Dragons on release for ten pounds and then were patient enough to wait until now, like nearly. <laughs> when did that set come out? Start this year. Yep, start this so year. Like yeah. eight, eight, like March or something. If you sat on that for eight months, with no Magic players ever able to do ever, um, especially casual. The cheapest I can buy one for is twenty six, twenty seven euros. Yeah, it's the cheapest I can buy one for. So if you bought them for ten pounds and you bought loads of them at the time because you thought it was a good, it was a good spec at the time. Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> it was great to buy those when they came out, but no one knew that because no one knew it would be a standard player because it wasn't at the time because Throne of Eldraine. You know. Yeah. It's uh. It's stop trying to make money off magic cards. Is my main thing. It's always my. It's always whenever we even glance in the direction of magic finance. That is my point. Stop trying to make money off magic cards. <laughs> yeah. Buy the ones you want. Yeah. If you're if you're in the position to make. Uh, you know, a, a very reasonable amount of money from Magic cards. There are better things to put your money into if you want to. If you want to be making money, for sure. I mean, the 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 reason that I'm interested in MTG Finance and and listen to it is so I can buy smart. Yeah. You buy cheap. You buy cards that you are going to play for a long period of time for the smallest amount of money you possibly can. That's yeah. the only reason to get interested in MTG Finance, unless. You have thousands and thousands of pounds burning a hole in your pocket, want to make tiny margins, and really enjoy magic cards. <laughs> yeah. uh, otherwise, I mean, as much as I think all crypto bros should be put in a prison, 
uh, put it in crypto or something. Jesus, <laughs> you'll make more money than buying packs and trying to open random sevens. Yeah, that's the the, the, the takeaway from the uh, the Magic the Horror Finance talk is buy Dogecoin. No, probably. I don't yeah. know anything about crypto because I think everyone um, that's interested in crypto is, uh, is a dumbass, especially you, Joe. Obviously. Um, Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I think the whole thing is predatory and awful and terrible for the planet and the world, and it's just capitalism incarnate, and you can't even have any fun with it. It's like Magic Finance is capitalism incarnate, but at least you get to play a game at the end of it, and it's fun. Uh, crypto is <laughs> awful, and everyone who is seriously involved in it and does it as a living, some fucking hell, uh, is awful. <laughs> and I, I wish upon them uh, mis- misery. But if you want to, if you have a thousand pounds burning on in your pocket, stop fucking buying collector boxes and just put it in crypto. Yeah. Well, like a good <laughs> savings account, though. I don't think those exist anymore. Yeah, that's what cryptocurrency yeah. is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Make make pay off your car payments quicker. Pay off your phone. Buy a nice computer that you will get years of use and enjoyment out of. Go on a nice holiday because you can do that now. <laughs> That will be learn how to grow food in a sustainable way. Yeah, start because <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need that. Start renting a space to have an allotment. Yeah, learn an instrument. Buy a nice instrument with your money, and you will get years of enjoyment out of that. Pick up a new hobby that costs money, and good memories and fun times are worth way more than you will make off opening a fucking meat hook massacre. You dummy. <laughs> Spend your money wisely. By which I mean, you will die <laughs> sooner than you think. Have fun and make meaningful memories and create meaningful bonds with people instead of buying Magic the Fucking Gathering cards. <laughs> I don't know. Much. I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Come, let us know your feelings. It's it's been a bit of a, a bit of a different one this week. I think. Yeah. Let us know your opinions on Magic the Gathering, I mean, or give us give us your hot your hot crypto ticks. If you you think <laughs> it's the uh, the best time to pump and dump Dinkton coin, then uh, come hit yeah, me yeah. up on on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> at HFDcast. If you want me knocking on your door at some point and trying to throttle you, give us your hot crypto ticks. <laughs> I mean, you say this is a bit of a different one. It's very similar to last week, where I just shouted at people in a nonsensical <laughs> rant for an hour. Sure, sure. You can find us on Twitter. We are at hfdcast at facebook.com slash hfdcast. If you enjoyed anything in this episode particularly would like to give back in a monetary value, you can hit us up at Patreon. We are patreon.com slash devastation. Tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 25 cents per episode. If you want to find me on my own social, do that one again. I didn't do the ad read. You didn't do the bit. Do the ad read. Yeah, do the ad read. I realise... Do what you think about Dink on. <laughs> I realise that this entire episode just sort of negates this entire ad read, um, who is also my employer. But this podcast is brought to you by Manlink.com, where you can use the promo code HOFD5 for 5% off your whole order, which includes Innistrad Midnight Hunt Sale products. If you want to do that, or absolutely singles. Which you can... You can purchase to draft with your friends. Yeah, and you get five percent. So if you get you take five percent off the price of a booster box, it's you're definitely going to make money. That's just how money works. If you want to find me on my own personal social media on Twitter, I'm at Peach Garden Oaf. Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You can find me pretty much any of the Magic Gathering groups talking about European card prices. Uh, we also stream on Twitch every Friday night. We do some FNM. It's good fun. We've been playing a lot of Historic. Um, it's yeah, it's wild. 
come have come have fun. It's a good time. It's twitch.tv slash Peach You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, no. I was about to say the old one. It's it's Ooh. it's Gene Sneeler. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm less angry on Twitter these days because um, the 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 evil Twitter police have sent this train to ruin this record because the evil Twitter police keep telling me what I can and can't say um, and are silencing my free speech as if they're some kind of privately owned company who can do whatever the fuck they want and I signed up to their I signed up to their terms of service so it's fine uh, so I'm just about to post pictures of Warhammer and magic cards that are pretty so that's 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 nice maybe you actually want to follow me now. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. It's a, it's a wild place. <laughs> it's a wild place. And on that note, it's all we have time for this week. Once again, we're approaching the second hour. The Godfather has returned. We'll see you again next week on Our Devastation.